welcome. It's Tuesday, the 27th of November, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only twice-weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, episode 69, another special episode to welcome you all back from, well, those of you in the States anyway, Thanksgiving holiday. Hope you had a wonderful time with all your friends and family. I'm still here in London. I got in later than expected on the return trip here, as promised. I do want to still get this episode cranked out today. So while it's pretty late here for me in London, for those of you back in California and the rest of the U.S., it should be early afternoon, late afternoon. So uh, anyway, to kick things off then, here we go. Uh, Special guest today, very pleased to announce and introduce Martin Adler. So Martin has, uh, well, he holds a PhD from the Vrij Universiteit in Amsterdam. He's also the founder of the independent consultancy at Adler Advisory. And the reason I'm speaking with him today for today's episode is, so his focus, his interest, his studies, and his research in autonomous vehicles focuses especially on the socioeconomic aspects thereof. In particular, Things like general productivity effects, labor market impact, and public finance aspects, and much more besides. Anyway, without further ado, let's dive in and get started. We've got a wonderful interview ahead. It was meant to go 15 minutes or so. I think it went on for like 25 minutes, so hope you're sat down somewhere comfortable. Enjoy the interview. Mark, can you hear me? Ah, Martin. Hey, good morning. (laughs) Good morning. So, uh, really good of you to join uh, us this morning on this call. Thank you very much. I guess you're calling in from somewhere in the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken. That is very true. I'm calling in from Amsterdam, and it's a really great pleasure to join you on this broadcast. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Um, Thanks very much. And uh, I guess let's just kick it off then. Uh, good, good enough just to give a bit of background, kind of what sort of kicked off the interest in autonomous cars, of course, and how, I guess, your background leads into that. Excellent. I would love to do so. Um, I'm a consultant and I have my own consultancy company here in the Netherlands in Amsterdam. And at the same time, I'm an academic uh, researching fields in transport and urban, urban economics, also here in Amsterdam at the FU University. And um, it practically naturally led up to, I would say, working with autonomous vehicles, because you, you, as you can imagine, both from a research interest and also from a, from a consultancy aspect, this will be this will be the future and it's highly interesting. Um, I have in the past also worked for the industry, for Nissan, on, on the subject of, of autonomous vehicles. And I've done predictions on what will be the economic growth from, from cars or from autonomous vehicles. And um, yeah, I continue working on autonomous vehicles. Um, yes, and this is, this is very, very nice. I, of course, also work on other areas of transportation currently, which are for example, road safety, I work on public transportation, I work on uh, the benefits of infrastructure revision. So like practically autonomous vehicles is one part and I would say key element of what I'm working. And yeah, it, it's very, very interesting to see 
to see this transformation in combination with a lot of other mobility challenges which we're currently seeing. Absolutely. And indeed, there are many challenges, uh, many of which most people, well, I think the two, there's two kinds of challenges. One of the sort that you, that you know about. Yes, we know this is a challenge. Now let's <laughs> tackle it. And then there's a sort you don't even think about yet. And they just sort of pop up and blow up in your face. And to be sure, I guess, uh, plenty of those as well here. So I guess let's just kind of dive in and run through a few interesting things. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot to discuss. Um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, what, there's been a lot of discussion about not only the pros, but also the potential cons with respect to autonomous vehicles. So uh, mobility generally, right? So there was a study, of course, by BCG and uh, World Economic Forum suggesting that, you know, if everything else stays the same, then autonomous cars will basically end up being like adding lanes to a freeway. It won't actually solve the traffic problem. What sort of potential drawbacks do you see with respect to mobility if we don't do things right? This is a very, very interesting question. And I, I mean, as you say, a lot of those challenges are still hidden. Um, where to start? Let's start with road congestion because you mentioned it and then go into the more even deeper aspects of sure. it. Um, road congestion, um, you know, is a function of the number of roads which you, uh, or the number of cars you can fit on a certain amount of space. Right. And if you practically add too much, then the whole system breaks down and then you're serving actually less cars than before. So it practically the breakdown of it produces like practically less travel. So it's very, very, it's, it's a big challenge to practically not have these kind of gridlock situations. And uh, actually what happens is that if you add autonomous cars and you continue using the same safety distance between cars, which we currently have, so you're practically talking about an autonomous vehicle scenario where, where not every car is on autonomous vehicles, and so the normal driver still needs this, this distance to the person in front of him, um, th then practically you can currently, even under the, the now the situation, you can in most metropolitan areas or in most practically highways, which are highly frequented, you can barely add any cars. We're talking about like uh, lower digit percentages, which you might still be able to add and still have efficient car transportation. And I mean, I know that you're like based in California. So in LA, you would probably say you would actually want to take away some cars in certain hours of the day, you know? <laughs> I would say so, most hours of every day, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, so practically autonomous cars from that perspective don't solve anything. And then like you would also have to ask yourself, does actually adding lanes to the road really solve anything? Because you find out that if you look at it in detail, adding more lanes doesn't increase like throughput of the street like as much as the first two lanes, for example, do well, so. Diminishing returns, basically, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then also another, and that's even maybe the worst point, and that's that's I think one of the hit, more hidden aspects. Actually, quite a while back, people found out that if a city is more dense, so if you can fit more people in a similar space, then this has really, really benefits to uh, to productivity of that area. You know, I mean, economic benefits because since you're connecting people and they're closer together they will be also able to like achieve greater, greater, you know, goals. And if you add practically lanes, and this has been shown both for China and also for the US, if you add more lanes, you're reducing this density because you practically added practically an empty space or like, let's say a space filled with cars instead of humans. Mm, you know? That's an interesting point. That's a really interesting point. Yes. And that is, that is very, very critical. So, and then one what one could say is that at the current infrastructure in larger metropolitan areas, there is, I would say, almost no space to add extra lanes. And then the only space available to convert would be parking spaces. 
practically in downtown areas to actually allow more cars. But this again has, again, very, very large negative ramifications on what you would expect. So the only way forward to move cars faster through a highway or more, more cars through the same width of highway with autonomous vehicles is to have a fleet which is only autonomous vehicles and reduce the safety distance to almost nil and have them travel faster. Well, Those that, are the parameters yeah. you can change. And that is, of course, the kind of that's the end game, isn't it? Because optimally, you'd end up in a situation where take an intersection, for example. Now, theoretically, yeah. I imagine you could synchronize a, f- a full fleet of autonomous cars on the road to be perfectly synchronized to go through the intersection, just missing each other sort of like bullets through the propeller of an old airplane, um, <laughs> yes. which then does raise the other interesting question. How are people going to be okay with this? <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting uh, thing, right? But that is the optimal endpoint, isn't it? This is from, 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 the, from the car itself, practically from the mechanics of the car. This is the optimal endpoint, and you can achieve quite fascinating yeah. rates of practically throughput. Yeah. Uh, it would be quite scary to sit in, inside one of them, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Intersection. <laughs> if you live next to this intersection, by by chance, you know, and I guess everybody, one of us, lives next to a street, then this is also an outcome which has a lot of other negative ramifications, which we're not thinking about. And and I think we should, in general, practically autonomous vehicles shouldn't be seen as the the only solver of all our problems. All of a sudden, that we have in mobility, because for if we know, for example, that cars when they drive over a certain road type. They will emit a lot of pollutants, which we currently classify as highly carcinogenic and practically re- uh, increasing long-term health benefits. And that's even so if they're like electric, those vehicles. 50% of pollutants in an urban environment, which are airborne, practically from cars, are from either brake pads or because pads. they're practically... Yeah. Yes, or recirculated from the tires. The tire, you know, yep. so yep. the air drives over it and recirculates air. And we have found studies, I mean, you can show that in areas where practically you have a lot of airborne pollution, practically children perform worse on school, people have higher risk of cardiovascular diseases. So practically, I think we're just now starting to understand what are the, what are the dangers, what are the grave consequences of this. And then, I mean, adding more of the same would seem from, 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 from an economist's point of view, maybe bad for the overall good. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I should say as an aside, though, I mean, obviously, one of the benefits to electric vehicles anyway, is the fact that they often, well, not often, I guess they always have um, a regen braking function. So, practically speaking, they very rarely need to use regular brakes. So, I think as far as pad dust production, that should be at least somewhat alleviated in a world where everything's electric. But But your point's certainly well taken. And still, there's certainly tires. Yes. And I mean, I'm not saying that like autonomous vehicles, which are electric, are going to solve quite right. a lot of problems. I'm not saying this is practically not part of the solution. I'm, I'm just saying that the world which is practically has like this traffic, which you described, where there's one lane and it's practically never ending autonomous vehicles through an inner city. That might not be a good solution. Like uh, between intercity transportation, I mean, OK, fine. Nobody is practically going to be suffering from that. But um, on a on a scale in an inner city that, that I think would have really not the best consequences. And we're not even talking there about noise levels or practically children's safety playing outside or practically like the use of public space. I mean, these are all other concerns which definitely would, would come up with that. Sure. So, so this kind of triggers a two-part question I have then. So I'll, I'll kind of throw both parts out there at the same time. You can tackle them how you like. Um, 
I've discussed a few times on the on the show that uh, I feel that with the exception of perhaps the elevator in 1857, there mm-hmm. hasn't really been a widespread deployment of an entirely new technology, which has been met oh. with so much sort of uh, public outcry, discourse, debates. Do you want this? Do you not want this? Oh, I'll never stop driving your car, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the second part of, you know, so, so I guess my question is, first of all, how do you, or what, what do you think about that? Do you agree? And why is it that this seems to be somewhat unique in modern times? I mean, nobody complained or questioned, oh, should we have a touchscreen iPhone, for example? That wasn't, that, you know, that, that, that didn't really concern anybody. <laughs> um, yes. And then the second part of the question is, to your point earlier, how, how are you supposed to deploy this thing properly? I mean, it's, if, unless I misunderstood, it sounds like you're suggesting, and I agree with this, that sort of the interim solution where you're mixing autonomous cars with human driven cars, that's going to be a pretty suboptimal solution for a while. And it won't be unless and until everything is autonomous, that things will finally reach the optimal point. So how is this all going to really work? Is it going to be mandated? Will it need to be mandated by law? And if so, how's that going to look like? And to your point about adding just cars like lanes on a freeway is the big bad T word tax. Is that going to be the solution? I mean, as an economist, uh, you and me both, you more so than I, this is a big question, a really concerning one. <laughs> that, those, are, those are both very, very good questions. Let, let me go. Sorry, that let, was a mouthful of a question. but <laughs> No, those were good explanations, good introductions of what I'm, I think I'm, what, what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, let, let me start with the, actually with the second one first. So, no, actually, no, 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 first one. Um, so what are the other revolutionizing ideas in terms of mobility in the, in the past 200 years? Now, one was the railway. That, that was probably even a bigger shock to the system than, uh, than, than what autonomous cars might be. Like, practically, that was a revolution, practically allowing people to travel really long distances and also cargo, and like uh, that, that practically changed, changed the world. And then the next revolution, which was maybe as heavily discussed, this one was air travel. As I understand, people were not super... Fo- uh, not super advocates of air travel immediately. Um, why does I mean, this... That's a good point. As an aviation fanatic, I, I should have re- I should have remembered that. that. That is a good point. Thank you. No, 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 no. Like, it, it, it's also like there is quite some similarities, actually striking similarities. I was looking into this. Uh, between the emergence of air travel and I think also uh, what we're going to see now in autonomous vehicles. Uh, they're not like immediately clear, but on an abstract level, they're very, very interesting. Well, I've certainly um, done parallels at least to the technology, but, but any of us, please. Yes, no, but like, what do you, why, why is it so heavily discussed now? First of all, it, it, it raises a lot of really good questions, some which were more interesting to the general public, for example, this, the safety aspects of it. You know, everybody pretty deals with cars. Everybody knows that they're inherently not the safest form of transportation, um, everybody knows that we're practically in conflict or like most people kind of understand that cars really affect our inner, uh, everyday life. Like how far is it the way to walk to the parking space? How big is the street next to my house? So, so a lot of practically issues which are dealing with mobility are very, very present in everyday life. And then you can also see that from a political point of view, mobility is among, always among the top three issues which is uh, important to the voter. So that's why we also see so much in the political debate, right? Mm, There is also a lot of, and I think this is interesting also about your show, is that actually autonomous vehicles will make us relive through the entire political debate, which we had since the 1960s, but just this time on fast forward. 
we are going to go through all the issues which we had. How much parking do we allocate? How many cars do we want to have? How close to our kids? You know, all of those issues, we're practically going to relive through them in about 15 years while we're rolling out autonomous vehicles because it's going to challenge all of those aspects. You know? So is the analogy that you're alluding to, at least here in the U.S., when freeways, the interstate highway system was built and there was a need to obviously, you know, buy back land from from private ownership to make room for the highways. This was a big issue politically. It obviously had a lot of negative, mostly negative repercussions. Is that your point by analogy that we're going to have the similar sort of thing to figure out and hopefully do it better this time around? <laughs> I think this is very much the point, yeah. you know, how should you choose your parking lot? Should it be big enough that nobody's going to be able to walk from the next neighborhood to the mall? I mean, these are kind of really, really pressing issues. And, uh, it's also the question on, and back in the day, I mean, this is what you saw is that technology was driving actually the policy debate. And this is what you really want to want to avoid. I mean, we as humans choose how we want to live and how our society should be. You know, technology is not a self-fulfilling process, prophecy. But let, let me maybe then steer over to the political debate with that. Yeah. Mm. Um, because I think this really, really connects very, very deeply into it. The economists often talk about pricing, and they love pricing because it's an efficient tool. They see it as a way of steering people or steering people's choices into a way which is like practically serves the greater good. Um, while as maybe the individual itself will not have the same, you know, goal, practically commonly combining practically our overall demand for a certain good should have this like aspiration of let's say having the highest highest potential utility or welfare or gain like that um is there a way to steer this process until full automation will practically bring all the benefits yes there certainly is um this is usually done through public policy or like a, a political political debate and i think this is practically one of the most overlooked aspects or like i i've haven't seen it anywhere really pop up. It's the kind of laws we want to make to practically steer it in the right direction. And I know that there is some discussions in the European Parliament. I've been also caught on one of them. And we now with some colleagues, we're bringing out a, a paper on uh, the public finance of autonomous vehicles. And what you see there is that we're practically actually shaping this way. The autonomous vehicles nowadays are practically affecting our life quite severely. So we're taxing practically we're taxing gasoline, we're taxing the ownership of cars, you know, we might tax the space on which you're parking it, like through parking costs. And so the question is, which kind of taxes are relevant in an autonomous vehicle age? And well, then so, it comes so, I mean, so one of the taxes that we've discussed quite a bit is, is the idea that if an autonomous car is driving a, around and if it's mm -hmm. empty, then it should absolutely be taxed. In other words, yes. if there's going to be a lot of cars on the road, they better at least be full of humans inside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I mean, this is, this, is, this is key. Honestly, this autonomous vehicle debate, it should be about car sharing. And I think it's moving, yeah. it's moving in this direction. An autonomous vehicle full of people is a good autonomous vehicle. Exactly. You know, and there's nothing to argue. There's nothing to argue about it. And also for an autonomous vehicle full of, full of people, it doesn't matter if they have to pay 20 cents per kilometer driven. If you share that by four or six people, I mean, it's practically still nothing. It's still cheaper than practically going by public transportation. 
Yeah, so, so I, I guess there the big issue is then going to be a, a real social issue, right? It's getting people to move away from the concept of private car ownership because there's this very real tangible association that many humans have. It's not just an American thing in L.A. A lot of humans have this. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I – think, so I have a theory. I'm curious what you think about this. Um, yeah. My theory is it'll only be possible for humans to stop regarding their cars as their personal thing – once we have fully level five autonomous cars, which no longer have any driver inputs, no steering wheel, no pedals, because my theory is that that's the point at which the car will cease to be sort of an emotional thing and it'll yeah. truly be a utilitarian device. That I think is the crucial step to get people to be okay with the idea of, Hey, this isn't, this is, you know, I don't care about this thing. Anybody can, share it i don't care rather than hey this is my car only my closest friends and family can touch it right what do you think uh that's a very, very interesting point and i think you're you're partially right i mean such a vehicle fleet would definitely make us reevaluate the, the value of ownership in, in that sense mm. and i think another aspect would be practically the convenience of it if you know that you practically have to i mean and i, I we're lucky to live in a city i mean for example this service from uber right it made taxi ride orders let's say waiting time from 15 minutes nowadays, I, I have a difficulty getting down the stairs before the taxi arrives when I like order it before when I leave sure. the door. You know? So quickly, if you can provide this kind of convenience at a relatively low price, then I think, and I'm quite sure autonomous vehicles will be able to provide such a service. Then I think more and more you will have people questioning why they should own this themselves, especially if you're looking at how much money is being spent. I think, Maybe the majority of people don't actually realize like what percentage of their income they're practically spending on mobility. It's, well, it's quite yeah, and obviously, again, the optimal point is that owning a car, and I say owning in quotes, obviously, but yeah. the but the idea is, uh, if if you do happen to actually own it, uh, and then you share it out to everybody else, your net cost of ownership should be negative. You should be making money on it, right? That that's the optimal endpoint, I think. Yeah, no, no, clearly, clearly. And also, I mean, you could lower your costs in terms of mobility on what you're actually paying to to really, really small percentages of your income. I mean, like, if you think about now you buy a car and it's a metal object, which you practically, even if you're using it a lot or using 5% of the actual time it's outside, but the rest of the 95% that's exposed to the elements is practically decaying, right? And you're, you bought into, the, practically into this decay. So you practically every time it's that just standing there not being used by you. It's practically losing money. And, and, and if you can just then practically buy only a very, very small timeshare of a vehicle that you want to use, I mean, that, that obviously has really, really great benefits to, to, to your purse, to your, to your, oh, yeah, to your money. Absolutely. absolutely. And uh, uh, all right. Well, cool. Well, in the few minutes we have left, there's a couple uh, questions here I want to ask. One is uh, rather more serious to the other. You'll see why in a moment. Uh, so the first question is, um, you know, how and it's a thing that, that's been touched on quite a bit throughout this show generally. And it's, I think it's an intriguing thing to consider. I mean, it kind of brings full circle, everything we've just been talking about how practically, and when I say practically, I mean like really, really practically, you know, roads, boulevards, et cetera, freeways. How do you really think that autonomous vehicles are going to start to be mandated? Are they going to be phased in gradually? And if so, from the freeways down to the smaller roads or the other way around or certain little pockets here and there, geofenced areas, how are these practically going to start to be phased in by, by law? Because at some point, I'm sure you agree, they will be mandated. No human will be allowed to drive again at some point. So what's that transition going to look like practically? 
I, that's a very interesting question, and I'm not 100% sure I have an answer. The answer that I have, though, because I've, that, that part I know, is that it's going to be very different between countries. So the U.S. is well, going to sure. take a different approach, and the, like California is probably going to take a different approach than some other, other states. So it also really depends on practically the, the mobility system you already have in place and how this transition is. is. Um, will governments currently governments really take a back step and just want to roll out the technology together with the industry as fast as possible because they practically see it as a great opportunity, which it sure. probably also is. Um, so I, I expect very little regulation at first. Um, I expect also that practically the moment in time when it shifts between mandating certain highways or certain roads to be only autonomous it's not going to be before you have practically maybe a 25% saturation, right? So there needs to be a critical mass on the road, practically before you can, for example, what you could imagine, you could have those freeway lanes, uh, these HOV lanes, which you currently have, you could have those only for autonomous cars because you could practically maximize throughput, you know, and people could even just buy into it. Um, I easily could imagine these kind of So, so that's, a, that's actually exactly what I thought as well. I've often said that initially they're going to start out in the carpool lanes. Totally agreed. The only two sort of, I guess, ancillary thoughts to that are, first of all, uh, to your point about 25% saturation, I think we saw that at least, well, actually not just here in California, but many places, though, I think uh, electric cars were granted free access to HOV lanes well before they ever reached, well, they're certainly nowhere near 25% saturation, obviously. Um, And then also the second point is there is an argument to be made, I think, in both directions, though, right? I mean, on the one hand, uh, I agree with you, freeways make sense, if only because also it's technically less challenging on a freeway. On the flip side, one could argue that, you know, inner cities really require uh, autonomous cars just because uh, just if only for safety and moving so many people about inside of a city, right? So I feel like either way makes sense from your point of view. Definitely, definitely. And we're going to see, I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, if you look at the, the last examples we have seen in California in terms of like some of the car providers testing that and like the achievements they have met, the autonomous vehicles come, will come relatively fast and they will be probably rolled out in both scenarios. The question is rather than just like how quickly will we get even, you know, jump to, the, to, to level four where you, we no longer need a driver or level five. Sure. If this happens, Really, really fast. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And I also think that often policy, like yeah, public policy or like, um, is like usually seen as an instrument which comes later after the fact has been established. So normally you give time to the developments, look at what's actually happening on the road, and then you make policy around that. That often has led to, um, to suboptimal outcomes. There's many cases where practically this led to, to regulation, which was inadequate, but once it had been chosen, it couldn't be taken back. You know, for example, gasoline prices had been for a really long time too low or car ownership taxes had been too low. But once people have an expectation horizon, this is how much it should cost, then it becomes politically often unfeasible to make any kind of change. So mm, I think this is the problem. That's the problem which you see as a policymaker, that if you're very reactive and if you let, like, practically there be facts on the road first and you don't do your homework, then, then often you end up in a situation which is very difficult to move out of. Sure. No, that makes sense. Well, look, I, I need to uh, wrap up with this final question. I know I, I've said many times I never wanted to even discuss this issue again, but on the, on the flip <laughs> side, I feel like everybody would wonder, why didn't you raise this question? So here we go. Are you ready? Um, the trolley paradox. 
All I'm going to say is, do you have any thoughts about this ridiculous academic bit of nonsense? <laughs> yeah, it, like, it's, it's, yes, I do. I do. It's, 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 it's an interesting point of teaching people a little bit of, like, I think, giving them, like, a, a little bit of an idea of what an ethics course in, like, first ethics course in university should look like. And yeah, one of the philosophy, right? <laughs> yes, 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 it is. I mean, it's, it's a clear example. It, it, this is the example from philosophy right and it also like the, the shocking thing is always that it has been solved so um, actually i mean this the so, so solving is you cannot actually choose whom to kill because this is amoral by definition mm. because you don't know anything about the person who is walking i mean you don't know if the person has been playing social security you don't know you could be running over a 16 year old child murderer who just like looks really weak, you know <laughs> Innocent. I mean, you could be like, you could be the, the old man, which you choose to be not worth living anymore, could be the person who given you nuclear physics or something like that. I mean, <laughs> it's practically by definition impossible to make the right choice. You know, you, by choosing practically, you make it immoral. And, and so therefore, I, I think the discussion should refocus and it should be more about how do we want to live with those costs? Because I think there is a lot of morality in there and that we should really look at ourselves. Do we really put mobility at our, our, as our only goal and shouldn't we maybe rather focus on how we live with each other and how healthy we live and uh, the safety aspect practically that is an interesting goal to think about from philosophy debate like over a glass of wine but this should not dominate our so that's that's a relief to hear i've been saying that a lot and as somebody pointed out to me once uh you know frankly if if an, if an autonomous car is in a situation where it needs to make such a decision, it's already failed. And the proof, the proof of this, right, is you and me, any of our friends, anyone we know, has it ever been the case in all our years of driving that we've had to make that sort of decision? No. I mean, if it's the case, you've already failed. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And also, you, you could not, like, I mean, the amount of information required to, to make any decision would be improbable and then also even if you had this amount of information then it's still immoral that you're making the decision yes. but the only thing is you can slow down the car at the highest pace possible you know so if the, so, i mean yeah. yes well so yes. i guess what we can conclude then is it's basically a bunch of philosophers who are trying to play uh with autonomous cars because maybe they got bored yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the so. end of it <laughs> Okay, Martin. Wow. Well, this has been fantastic. It's clear that we could talk on about this for, well, hours, really. Uh, and so I yes, think it'd be great in the future to probably reconnect and continue where we left off. But certainly for now, for today, it's been a fantastic chat. I uh, can't thank you enough for your time. It's really been great. And of course, I wish you a wonderful rest of the week ahead. Perfect. Thanks, Mark. It's been fantastic. My pleasure. Really great. Bye, Martin. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Martin, a real pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much indeed. Obviously, we covered a lot of amazing ground today. So if you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to reach out and ask. You can do so uh, by LinkedIn, by Twitter at Autonomous Hogue over at my website using the contact form at markhogue.com. Of course, you can leave me a voicemail if you're listening to this podcast on anchor.fm. And don't forget, we've got a new Facebook page finally at facebook.com slash autonomous hogue. Finally, please don't forget if you're listening over at Apple Podcast, leave me a five-star rating. This is a huge help to me indeed. Anyway, without further ado, that's a wrap. Thank you again so much for listening. Until next time, that'll be on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye.